Hello, and welcome to Carried Away. I'm your host, Carrie Murray. As the founder of the Bra Network, the Business Relationship Alliance, I have met some of the most inspiring women working as entrepreneurs, freelancers, founders, executives, and creatives, and I want to share their stories with you. So let's get carried away. Ooh, joining me today is Crystal Whitaker, brand and lifestyle photographer. I'm so excited because we are going to be talking about branding that has social impact and includes inclusivity. Join me as I get carried away with Crystal today. I'm thrilled to have Crystal. You're with me today. I'm so excited. Um, I When I did my one-on-one with you, I just knew I had to get you in front of a larger audience because it was, it, first off, it was a lot of work, but it was good work. It was like the work I needed to do. And I always feel like with branding, you're never really done. Um, and I think a lot of people think they are just like, you can never just have one branding session with photos, right? You have to keep updating them and refreshing them. So working with you was so great. And I'll go into the details of that later. So anyone watching can be like, yes, tell me more. <laughs> But welcome. First, introduce yourself. Tell us about who you are, how you got here today, what brought you to photography and and consulting for branding. Hi, everybody. Okay, first, Carrie, I have to say your energy is always so infectious. I love it. (laughs) And I appreciate you having me on. For for those who don't know me, my name is Crystal. I'm the owner of Crystal Lily Photography. I'm a brand and lifestyle photographer and now also consultant for impactful brands and thoughtful people that want to make a difference. Um, so I work uh, mostly now with impactful brands like Carrie. I love what you're doing for women, female business owners, just cultivating this community where we can lean on each other and help each other out, hire each other, which is awesome. Um, And I work with brands on obviously brand photos, but I, I also incorporate brand therapy because your whole brand is more than just photos. It's the messaging that you're putting out. It's the experience you provide to your clients. It's everything that people think, hear, and say about you. So you, I mean, if you want people to talk about your brand in a positive way, you need to be able to speak about your brand in a positive way yourself and believe what you say. It's, it, you know, it's like the difference of being like, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm a photographer and, you know, I, I do X, Y, and Z and it's fun. That's not really selling me. <laughs> and I provide these amazing experiences for my clients and people love it. We have so much fun and we get to really showcase their brand personality, like that's more of a sale. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, um, I originally started as a wedding photographer. Um, I had always had an interest in photography. I just didn't know that it could be a job until I started meeting other people that had made a career out of it. And I, I had a bad experience with, with a photographer myself, and I was so frustrated from that experience. And I remember thinking I would never want anybody who paid me hundreds of dollars to feel the way that I feel. So I bought a camera and just tried it out. I I did it kind of as a hobby and shooting like friends and, you know, making my friends model for me for about a year. And then someone that I knew had a friend who was a photographer and started throwing me like little bits of work. Some of it was free. Some of it was paid. 
just the kind of stuff that someone who's seasoned wouldn't want to do, but it was perfect for someone like me at the time who was basically cutting their teeth, doing it as a professional, even though I've been taking pictures since I was eight. So that's how I got into it. And I had friends and friends of friends who had previously been married that still had their wedding clothes. I would just be like, put your clothes back on and model for me. And that's actually how I built my portfolio. I did not do any styled shoots until I was in year three of business. I just had this thing against oh. Yeah, I would just find real, real people, real couples and photograph them that way, which was also a way, which was also the main way in how I was able to build an inclusive, like a, a very diverse portfolio because I have such a diverse group of friends. So that was something that was important to me too. I kept seeing things where people, it was just like the same types of couples or the same types of models in photographer's feeds. And it drove me batty. I was like, why aren't we using real people? So. Oh, so true. Right. I know when I was getting married and plan the whole planning stage of things, all these catalogs were in these beautiful Vera Wang dresses and they were like 85 pounds. <laughs> I was like, I guess I ain't buying a Vera Wang dress. <laughs> but, um, it does kind of, especially the bridal industry itself, it, it, it very much can brainwash you into thinking what your wedding should look like and who should, what, how you should appear. It, it does feel very homogenized a lot in that in, in industry. Um, but you saw obviously an opportunity. Yeah, I, I did. And so basically out of the gate, I already had a, a diverse brand. Inclusion was something that was very important to me. And even, even friends that I had had, they were like, wow, you know, I, when I was looking for a photographer, I wish that I had thought to look harder and deeper for people who thought more about this because I have friends who are in interracial marriages. And, you know, it's like the photographers would wash out the, the person with the darker skin tones. And it's like, why? Why are you doing that? Number one, expensive. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot of Photoshop work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not okay. Um, but that was also something that kind of led me in the direction of wanting to make sure that I used my brand as a platform to speak up. Uh, I, I don't want to say against, but I can't find a better word in my brain right now, but to just to speak out against the things that just weren't, they, they didn't seem right to me. You know, so many different types of couples get married. So many different types of people want their portraits taken. Um, and then I also added in the component of donating a portion of my proceeds. So having an impactful brand has always just been something that's been important to me. But at the time, I didn't realize that that's what I was doing, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Well, you're leading by example, right? So you weren't seeing what you wanted to see and, and clearly wasn't being represented. So you said, well, I'm going to do it. Um, and that's the, the best way to give an example of how you're creating change within your industry, right? And so um, that's astounding. And then when, or do you still do weddings or are you still, did you make the shift from weddings? Yeah, I'll still do weddings. I'm very um, particular about the ones that I'll take on. I only take on uh, probably about 10 a year now because I do still love working with couples. Um, I, I primarily work now with the LGBTQ plus community as far as weddings are concerned, with the exception of all of my what, 2020 weddings that got moved to 2021. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I also, I, I found such a wonderful group of vendors 
who um, are inclusive. And I had to dig to find them. I mean, there's, there's a great group of vendors here in LA. There's also a great group of vendors on the East Coast in New York. So once I found those people, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. I'm not some crazy person trying to change the wedding industry by myself. Not at all. <laughs> You're paving the way. You are a change yeah. maker. <laughs> and then just like, I realized I wanted to do more. I didn't, you know, I loved working. I love working with couples, but I felt like there was an opportunity to do more, which is where working with impactful brands came into play. Got you. And so you don't only work with entrepreneurs, you work with small business owners, but brands that have an impact that really, you really yeah. want to focus on that and showcase the impact that they're making. Yeah, so, and they, so some sort of social impact, whether it's people that are educating and empowering others, um, people that are working in the health and wellness space, because I think that's really important, the way that we take care of our, our bodies and care for other people. Um, and then also brands that have either a philanthropic or a sustainable component to their business. Gotcha. And what is the, I don't think I know this, the social impact strategy you have embedded in your brand? Currently. Yeah, so currently I donate a portion of my profits annually to organizations that provide resources and support to women in the LGBTQ plus community. Gotcha. That's great. That's really great. I do want to say when I first, you know, we, Paige Ray introduced us um, and I adore her and she has been um, part of BRA for probably since 2017. She was like one of the first people that was like, you're onto something. I want to be a part of this and support you. Um, I've done photo shoots with her and she's, and so when she recommends someone, I'm like, Oh yes, this is going to be someone <laughs> legit. Um, and then you came to women on the rise. Um, and then I went to your webinar and I thought it was incredible, uh, which we're hopefully going to bring to uh, the bra community here with our next round of corsets. But I think what was interesting is when we had our first talk, you gave me feedback that said, when you first, I think it, you were, looked at my Instagram, you thought it appeared a little bit overly white. You're like, there's a lot of white women in this group. And you were a little bit nervous about coming to Women on the Rise. But I, I, I really appreciated that feedback. And I love that once you went to Women on the Rise, you left with a different impression. Yeah, well, what's interesting is that it was only your Instagram because I don't, I don't get that vibe from your website at all. And then, of course, the Women on the Rise event, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, there's women from all walks of life here. Yeah, it's really been something I have had a lot of intention in making sure that not only it doesn't look like a bunch of 40-year-old white women that look like me, um, but that, that everyone is included, all women, all ages especially. Um, we're not just a group of millennials. Not that I'm a millennial, but, <laughs> but you know, but like all ages, all races, all sexes, all genders, all way you identify. Um, so I really appreciated that feedback because then of course I went through my Instagram and like around that time, like when you would be looking at my Instagram, I was like, oh yeah, she's right. <laughs> I appreciate you being open and receptive to that though, because it, it is also a scary thing to come into someone else's business and be like, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> BT dubs, you might want to uh, think about that. Yeah. No, I'm, always, I'm totally open for uh, feedback, uh, especially if I step on my tongue, step on my own words coming out of my mouth. I'm just like, oh, said it again. Um, but it's extremely important to have a social impact strategy. You know, my background's in social work. So um, I, I love connecting with other brands like yourself that have that seamlessly embedded within their brand. It's just some, it's like, you know, breathing. It's like, oh no, we have to 
give back and everything. I think that's really, really great. So in your, in your opinion, how can a brand reflect and kind of look at what they're doing to see if they are making an impact? What's like your advice on what, what could be the first thing they should do if they're really looking deep within what they're putting out? I would say, number one, ask yourself, are you currently doing anything that has some sort of social impact? And, and again, it doesn't mean that you have to donate money. It could be donating your time or your knowledge and helping others in that regard. Um, and, and looking at your brand as it is currently. And then also taking a look at a brand that you admire that's doing it. And whenever you see them doing those things, you're like, wow, this is amazing. And ask yourself, what, what is it that they're doing? Obviously, I'm not saying go and copycat anyone, but what is it that they're doing? And ask yourself if there's something that you can do to incorporate it into your brand. Reach out to other brands, too. I, I have, like, no shame. <laughs> if I see something that I like in a brand or a person, I will, I will drop into their DMs or I'll send them an email. And it's okay to ask questions. The worst thing people can tell you is, no, I don't want to tell you what I'm doing or how I'm doing it then move on. Um, that, that's, that's my number one piece of advice is look at other brands that you admire and ask them questions and, and look at your brand and see what you can do and where you can incorporate certain things. Um, I'll give you an example. Actually, there was a vendor, last, was it either last winter, or maybe early spring, who had reached out to me on Instagram and they had been following me for a while. They're like, I love how you talk about the things that you're doing and other brands that you that you admire and brands that you work with and you've inspired me to incorporate some sort of philanthropic element in my business and I'm like cool what are you doing and she was like I started a scholarship fund it's only it's only about $500 and these were her words she's like it's only about $500 a year but it's a start like I want to be able to give at least one woman a start or like a leg up to something educational. And I was like, that's, that's great. It doesn't have to be a crazy amount. I'm not saying overextend yourself, right, right. <laughs> but if, if you want to do something, there's so many ways you can do it. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting is I think you're right. I think a lot of people think they're, they have to be like this big, huge brand who's bringing me millions and millions of dollars. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to promise a hundred thousand dollars to, you know, the boys and girls club, but you're right. If you find something local that's smaller and volunteering your time or mm -hmm. if anything, if you're, you know, a B2B business owner, like you're a photographer, offer your services. Yeah. Like I'll come in and photograph your entire office that works at the nonprofit or something like that. I think that's, I know when I partnered with, um, dress for success, I offered business courses. I came in and was just like, how do you interview? How do you get your resume together? Um, and it was such a great symbiotic relationship that I'm still in contact with those women. And that was three or four years ago. Um, and it's just, it's really can be pretty seamless. I like that you're demystifying that it doesn't have to be this big, huge ask. And yeah, it doesn't. People get so, get, get so in their heads about what it, what it should look like. And there's just so many different avenues that you can take. So I know her who volunteers uh, once a year. There's there's a trip where I, I believe it's foster children. They they raise money and they take foster kids to a trip to Disney, and they photograph the kids throughout the day. Like that's her donation. It's not a monetary expense for her. She gets to go to Disney and photograph kids having the time of their life. That makes an impact on those kids, and then they get those pictures and those memories that they wouldn't have otherwise. Oh my gosh, that's gonna make me cry. That's such a good <laughs> idea. 
It's such, yeah. Disney is so expensive and such an elite level that they're almost purposely pricing high to keep a certain element out, in yeah. my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Jesse Caballero photo that does that with Disney every year. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's great. That's a great example. Great example. So when I'm a brand, I reached out to you. Uh, when they want to come and talk to you about inclusivity, what's something that you notice um, brands that are, are, aren't being inclusive? Like what's something you're just like, well, wait a minute, what's happening here that you've kind of picked up on that is happening in other brands? I'm, well, because I'm a photographer, the first thing I always notice is like, what does your Instagram feed or your social media and your website look like? And oftentimes the number one thing that I see first and foremost is a lack of diversity in imagery. Um, and, and then, you know, also who, who they're speaking to and who they're connected to as well. You know, we'll take vendors, for example, if, if you have a referral list and everyone on your referral list is one race and you're, you're not referring to other people that are equally, if not more talented in some regards, you should really take a look at your circle and the relationships that you have in with an in and around your business. And I'm not saying that those people are racist by any stretch. That's not it. It's just, I think it's really easy to kind of get stuck in your bubble and in your comfort zone and not recognize it when it's not something that has ever affected you personally. I love that. I love that. Do you think that's just white privilege in brands? Sorry to say. It is what it is. I mean, it's, you can be a white person and have a brand and be successful and never have to consider inclusivity. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm not saying that that makes you a bad person. Right. You, you haven't had to be aware and, and not in the fact that you haven't had to be aware of that is. Yeah, it truly is. It truly is. Um, that's incredible. And what's like when, if you like, I'm a white woman. I'm looking at my Instagram and you're right. You're a photographer. So you're first going to look at imagery. Number one thing I, for some reason was looking at my messaging first, like what I was writing, how I was identifying my audience. Um, the words that I use like, Hey girl, um, oh, hey. I, yeah, hey lady. That was another one you pointed out. Like, I even think I said it right before we did this. Uh, it's like, I purposely took the term girl. Hey girl out of my vocabulary because we're not girls. We are women. <laughs> we're women. <laughs> we're not at a book club. We're not 12 years old. So for me, I was really looking at my messaging first before I thought imagery. Um, what, what would you advise someone who's looking at their messaging first? Uh, yeah, definitely looking at, looking at how you're speaking to people. A, a brand like yours where you're, you're very centered around women being careful in how you use terms like you're saying girls and ladies, because you're also wanting to be welcoming to the LGBTQ plus community. And there's a lot of people in that community that, that like don't want to be called a lady. <laughs> so things like that. Um, and I, I would also say looking at how you connect with your audience through goodness. What's, what's an example off the top of my head? Think ladies is the biggest one for wedding vendors not using the terms bride and groom throughout oh. your website because it, well especially if you're trying to attract 
all people. All types of Everybody's people. a bride, not everybody's a groom. Right. right. So, yes. How would, how would they phrase that? Give an example. Instead of saying couples. bride and groom, what could they say? Couples. Couple. Yeah, couples. Instead of saying, you know, my brides and grooms or my, my brides, or I'm a bride's best friend, you know, like I'm a couple's best friend. I like that. I like that. I know I, I always pick up when people say, when they're talking to me or they're on a Zoom call with all women, they assume that they have a husband. They'll use the word when you're talking to your husband or when he drives and they're trying to be light and airy and everything. And first they're assuming I'm married. But, um, right. but that, that who I'm married to is a man, um, and as opposed to saying spouse or partner. Um, but it is, it's, and I don't think that's asking anyone to be PC. I think it's just to be more aware of what's coming out and a little bit more right. educated. Yeah, yeah. D awareness is the, is the number one thing. That's partly why my inclusivity consulting is called mindful awareness and inclusivity in your brand. <laughs> because like what you're saying, I mean, not everybody's married. And not everybody wants to get married. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, and that's okay. Um, and you know, we have a lot of friends that have two moms or have two dads, and maybe grandma's their only parent, or maybe they have, you know, only one dad. And you know, mm -hmm. we talk about that with our kids a lot because we see it in school and we see it in our friends and everything. But when we get to brand, when we become like these professional adults, for some reason I feel like the conversation kind of like changes, like we're all supposed to be aware when really we need to keep talking about it. We need to keep making sure we're being mindful of the people we're surrounding ourselves with to, yes. to be inclusive. Yes, um, because it, I just don't think we can continue, especially white owned brands to just being going off in our wildest dreams. Oh, it'll just flock to me. No. Yeah. Same with social impact. Oh, one day I'll just give back. It has to be intentional. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I love that you talk about that a lot. And I love your IG stories. You're never on a soapbox with me. Keep talking. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. Ever since I said that, when I, after I'd gotten accused of like constantly getting on a soapbox, when I put that out there, so many people came back there like, no, keep it up. <laughs> yes. More IG stories, share your opinion. Absolutely. What gets you fired up? What makes you want to pull, pull out your IG and, and start doing stories? What, what's one thing that really gets you hot? Oh gosh, I, I think the most recent thing that got me pretty hot was I was having a conversation with someone who had shared with me that they were weirded out by the fact that someone, that people they went to high school with had started coming out as gay or lesbian, most mostly gay. Um, and they were just like, it's so weird, you know, like we used to play football and I, I was in the locker room with these guys, these guys and I'm like, why is that weird? You know, like playing football and being gay aren't mutually exclusive. <laughs> and I went on a tirade in my stories about it because it was also towards the end of June, I believe. So we were also dealing with Black Lives Matter and the person that I had had a conversation with was a black person. And I was just like, y'all, this is, you're completely defeating the purpose. It's like you, you want equality for black people, but then you're also going to basically crap on people who find the courage to come out, especially so late in life. Yeah. Um, like, this is not okay. We're all supposed to be working together, which is another thing that gets me um, when we talk about um, intersectionality and inclusion. There, I, I see it more so amongst white women than anything, white women and then in the black community because the black community is not always necessarily supportive of the LGBTQ plus community. 
Um, so there's that, like there's that disconnect where it's like there are people who are black and they identify as LGBTQ+, but they're not necessarily accepted within their communities. That's problematic. Yeah. And then white women who are feminists, but only to a certain extent. They don't want to talk about the intersectionality within feminism, especially within black people who are feminists and have to deal with those same issues. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, it's time to get uncomfortable. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> Growth and does not happen if you're not willing to get uncomfortable. Exactly. exactly. I also think um, you have to be brave and it's okay if you, you know, step on somebody's toes, but be aware that you're learning and hopefully, you know, you take responsibility for what you're learning. You're not expecting everyone else in your community to be the one that, to be your teacher. Um, I think also, that, yeah, I think that <laughs> happens a lot, um, but and I'm sure you've had people pop up and be like, Hey, can you teach me about this? <laughs> Yes, and I send them a link to my consulting programs. <laughs> yes, I can speak to you. Here's my Calendly. Please book in consulting. I love it. I love it. So tell me about your your brand therapy course, like, or it's a, it's kind of a course, but it's really one on one. So it's more like an intensive, really. Yeah, it's more of a one on one. I would like to make it a course. I just have not gotten there yet. And, and part of the reason that I haven't jumped on turning it into a course is because I am such a personable photographer and consultant. I like to be able to interact with people because also whatever is happening in your brand is going to be completely different from what might be happening in another person's brand. So I do like to be able to give that attention. Um, but the way that it works is it, it starts with initial, an initial consult call just so that we can get to know each other, understand what your goals are for your brand. And from there, we'll both sign an agreement because I do want us to both be accountable in that you're going to do your part in, because I send a workbook. It's, it's a, what is it? 16 or 17 page workbook. Carrie went through it. <laughs> it was a lot, but it was important. <laughs> um, and so we make commitments to one another in how we're going to show up for each other and your brand. I give you two to three weeks from the time we have that initial call to go through the workbook, take time to really be thoughtful in your answers and really examine your business. And we'll schedule your two hour intensive two to three weeks after our initial call. Um, I do ask that the workbook gets sent back to me within 48 hours before our deep dive so that I can review it because it's a waste of your time, really, if I'm like, okay, here's our two-hour call, but I spend 30 to 40 minutes reviewing your answers before I can give you real feedback. So I want to make the most of your time. And we go through, and by the end of it, the idea is for us to have a solid plan with, with action items for you to implement in your business. And then there's a follow-up 30 days after with the brand therapy, which need to schedule yours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> um, I love that. What In the workbook, what question do you think people get most tripped up about? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. <laughs> um, hmm. I know. Tricky, right? <laughs> yeah, because there's so many questions. Um, I, I do think that people kind of get stumped in the section around inclusivity because they're not always sure what's okay and whether or not they're doing things right. So I, I would say the question around, you know, is your brand inclusive? Actually, 
now that I'm thinking about it, there, there's a question. So like I ask, is your brand inclusive? And then if not, what has stopped you from implementing inclusion at this point? And I think that that is the one that gets people. Yeah. Because it makes you pause, right? It makes you reflect and be like, <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tough question too. And when you're working with someone and they're just, they, they don't even know how to answer it or how to identify it. I mean, do you feel like you need to like, you know, rip off the bandaid and say, look, this is what I'm talking about uh, for them to, or do you think when people start to work with you, they kind of already have an idea of what inclusivity should look like? I, I think, especially because of what's been going on the last couple of months, I think people that are coming to me have a better idea. But the, the biggest thing that I'm seeing is nervousness around answering certain questions, which is why I include a commitment to confidentiality, because I ask some really hard questions, and some of it, it is pretty personal in terms of people's experiences, because you, you can't do the work on your brand without first looking inward. Yes. So, 100%. yeah. And that's hard, because then you have to have a conversation with yourself, and and, you know, you don't want to appear performative, right? So as soon as we all put up a black square, we're like, wait, we got to take the black square down. And then we don't even know why we're putting up a black square. And then I didn't put up a black square. I was like, what is this tree? But I was like, where is this coming from? <laughs> um, and it, it's, and I know for a lot of newer brands, um, especially women who may be, I want to say in their second career or in their second you know, their parents are baby boomers and they're a little bit older. They're trying so desperately to compete with younger, faster, smarter, tech savvy brands that they don't want to appear as if they are performative, mm -hmm. um, you know, and what would you recommend for these brands who are pretty established to, to not do that, not go down that road? Um, hire and consult with people of color and have them look in your brand. If, if you don't have anyone on your team who is a person of color that you can consult with, if you don't have anyone on your, and this is obviously for people who have teams, um, if you don't have anyone on your leadership team that you can consult with, hire an outside consultant to, to work with you to make sure that the things you're thinking about doing are actually okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, all, for people who are solo entrepreneurs, same thing. If, if you don't have friends that you can consult with and have an open, honest conversation with, and they're willing to, you know, share their time and energy in that regard, then also be willing to pay an outside consultant to look at things and have that conversation. Because otherwise you do run the risk of putting stuff up, putting your foot in your mouth, you know, and everybody's going to stumble. Like that's to be expected. But if you do things just mindlessly, like putting up a black square, muting yourself without really thinking about what you're doing and why you're doing it, it is going to seem performative. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you offer that as well, right? Inclusivity consulting. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's another way. Um, and we'll put that in the, the show notes of the podcast, how to get contact with you of all your offers, because they're really, really fantastic. Um, and I think it's really important. I know when we were first, when, you know, George Floyd first was killed and we were, and Black Lives Matter was now getting another resurgence and everything. A lot of my friends who were photographers who were white women 
who had previously photographed black women or women of color were nervous about posting these photos and they, they wanted to show their support, but they were kind of like, what do I do? What do you recommend for someone who has this catalog of people they've worked with, but they don't want to feel as if they're performative? My answer to that is that it, if, if you have a catalog of people that you've worked with that are not white and they're from multiple different races and you haven't shared those photos before and now you're nervous because you're worried about being performative, then why weren't you sharing those photos to begin with? That would be my first question. Mm -hmm. um, and then it, um, in the same token, I personally don't see anything wrong with starting to show that work but also be really cognizant of why you're doing it and are you only going to be doing it for a short period of time because if you're just doing it right now because it's like on trend because this is the topic of conversation then it, it's performative you're not you're not helping anyone you're not doing anything you're just trying to make sure that your brand stays relevant and nobody calls you out and that's not okay yeah you know it's so funny Oh, look at it. Hi, Paige. Um, because when I was a teacher, you know, every month had a theme. You know, we have Black History Month, and Asian Pacific Islander Month. And the program I was in was saying that these are actually not great things to have, that we should be talking about these cultures and these experiences in American history and what their contributions were all the time. We should be reading from people of authors of people of color and Black authors all the time, not just during this month. And yes. I struggle with, even with bra that, you know, I know it's National Hist Women's History Month and I purposely put women on the rise during that month, but there are parts of me that's just like, I want to do this in May. <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. That's one of the things that kind of gets me to where I'm like, why do we only celebrate these people in these communities during certain times of the year, Black History Month, Women's Month, you know, Pride Month. Yeah. Like what? It's all year round all year round. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's always bothered me. And, um, and to see it, especially it, we're talking in education. So we're talking kindergartners who yeah. and also their experience is so limited because it's mm -hmm. only relegated to one month. And then we go right back to the regular old boring curriculum when there's so much enrichment. And I just see that in branding as well. Like, yeah. um, you know, it's June, so it's pride month. So I'm going to feature like for a bra, it would be like, I'd feature all my gay and lesbian members. Well, no, I feature them all the time. So um, right. I, I really struggle with that. Like, should I not talk about it or should I talk about it? You can absolutely talk about it, but I would say, you know, like talk about it. Absolutely. You can acknowledge that the month has come up, but also make it a point to let people know. If, and if this is obviously something that you're practicing, let people know, yes, we, we are acknowledging this month. It is here. We celebrate you. But we celebrate you all year round, not just this month. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have an example of a brand that's doing, or brands uh, that are that's doing a good job of showing inclusivity and, and impactful branding that you can think of? Um, so off the top of my head, I know uh, like Leah, Leah from ColourPop Events, she's based in New York. She's a wedding planner. And she's been doing something really great for the last few weeks where she has taken the time to like do a roundup on the internet of, hey, what's going on this week? Here are the ways you can educate yourselves. For, for the people who need education on anti-racism and they're looking for more resources, she does that post every Monday, which I appreciate. Um, and she's pretty inclusive. Um, who else does a really good That's job? That's incredible. 
Yeah. I love that. What was her name again? Let me make sure I write down her. Uh, it's Color Pop Events. Got it. We'll put and that it's in. Leah Weinberg who runs it. Love that. Love that. Now, do you think you'll ever go when we're all out of COVID and everything, do you think you'll ever go back to shooting weddings? I know you mentioned you had a few that you were scheduled to do, or do you want to focus yeah. on branding? Yeah, I, I love working with other business owners. I really do. Um, I think weddings will probably always be at least some part of my business. But like I said earlier, I'll definitely continue to be more selective about the ones that I take on. I'm limiting it to 10 a year. I love working with brands because I, I it, it feels very natural to me. I actually have a corporate background. So all of the consulting and the work that I've been doing with other entrepreneurs, I've been able to apply so much of my organizational experience with like my creative passion to be able to help other people that that didn't necessarily come from a business background or maybe they did, but they still don't love business and figuring out messaging and branding and strategy and all of those things. I, I like seeing the excitement and just like the people, the way they light up. They're like, this is awesome. I never thought about X, Y, or Z. I, I love it. Yeah, that's great. I think, and this is why I can't wait for you to teach a course. This is going to be great. Um, we did have a question come in and the question was, how, what are your thoughts on call in a wedding um, referring to the bridal party as the, or the referring to it as a wedding party, as opposed to bridesmaids and groomsmen? I always advise that always, yes. especially, especially if you are someone who is you know, moving into shooting more LGBTQ plus weddings and you haven't always done that, if you just automatically change that in your brain where it's a wedding party, you will never screw up on a wedding day for a wedding that doesn't have bridesmaids or a wedding that doesn't have groomsmen. It should just be wedding party. Always. Yeah, I love that. And I've actually been to many weddings where we've had men and women on both sides. Yeah. I'm standing with the bride and I'm standing with the groom and Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've seen it both ways. I've even seen dogs up there. So, oh yeah, right? I love when people incorporate their pets. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Well, I love that. Okay, so before we get to our carried away questions, tell the people how they can find you. What? And I know we're going to put something in our fabulous Facebook group for bra members. Um, for your, you said you had a consulting, like it was a consulting link, right? That we can send to the bra. Yeah. Members? Yeah, I can, I'll email that to you when we're done. Here. Okay, cool. Um, you all can find me here on Instagram at Crystal Lily Photo. Uh, Facebook, also if you type in just Crystal Lily Photography, it'll come up. And my website is crystallilyphoto.com. Um, yeah. Everybody give her a follow. So let's get carried away here for a second. Um, okay. You commented that um, you traveled for two years. Um, out of one suitcase. And first off, I have to know, how long ago was that? <laughs> uh, so I actually, I had two suitcases, um, but I, it was from the beginning of 2017 until the end of 2018. How many countries did you see? Uh, so I, it was, it was actually mostly for work. I had a corporate client that uh, I was contracted with to go. I basically saw the whole United States. That's awesome. Yeah, I think the only state that I haven't been to at this point, um, I have not been to Alaska, and I haven't been to Maine. I think I've been everywhere else. So um, northern ones. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. I don't like the cold. Um, <laughs> I love that. What was your favorite state? Which state surprised you? 
Um, so my favorite state is still California. It's always going to be California. <laughs> Um, this, the, the state, the place that surprised me was Kansas City, which middle of nowhere, I, I don't know what it was about, I just never imagined that I would enjoy my time there, but it's a surprisingly somewhat progressive city, and they have all these cool restaurants, and just, it, it had a really cool, welcoming vibe, and I was there for about a week, maybe a little longer, a couple summers ago, it was really nice. Oh, love that. And which state or city terrified you? <laughs> um, or I, I'll say it a different way. Which one could you, were you ready to leave fairly quickly once you got there? Um, yeah, I, I was not a fan of Oklahoma. I was there during storm season. Ooh. And I don't, I don't like how fast the sky changes. I actually, um, at one point, I, I think we just like nearly missed a tornado because we were driving on the free on the highway and it we had driven through some rain and then all of a sudden we came to this clearing and it was very strange it was very sunny and beautiful but then the skies were dark all around and debris started like not not like not like you know when the wind blows and you see debris fly no debris was like getting sucked up and it was starting to swirl and I was like okay, we need to not be in this area because this doesn't look good. And it was about five minutes later, a huge tornado touched down where we were. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so Oklahoma, just how fast the weather changes, it's, it freaks me out, I don't like that. Yeah. We need some earthquakes, okay? That we can handle. <laughs> Except when they up at 4.30 in the morning, I don't appreciate those earthquakes. Yeah, no, no, not at all. And then you're like, are we done? Is that over? Is that the end of the earthquake? Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think, I don't, I've never seen a tornado and that absolutely terrifies me or a hurricane. Um, and by the way, sorry, Paige. I know Paige is from Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's fine. She, she probably don't like those tornadoes either. Oh my gosh. Okay. My mom is in here. <laughs> Can I please read my mom's comment? <laughs> you have amazing vegetarian chili. My mom, so while I was traveling, my mom would come and she would visit me and stay for a few days in whatever city seemed appealing to her. And uh, I got really good at doing like hotel room cooking to save, you know, save on money. And I had a crock pot and I would make vegetarian chili. And my mom, she poo pooed on it the whole time. She was like, that, what, what kind of chili doesn't have meat? And I was like, here, just eat it. And now every time I see her, she's like, are you going to make your chili? <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love a good chili too. And I don't mind if it's vegan, vegetarian, or whatever. I'm in. <laughs> I was just talking about it. Put it on a baked potato. I'm ready. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So during quarantine, what, what's keeping you busy? What are you getting carried away about? Podcasts, Netflix, um, music? What are you keeping yourself? Books? Um, I've been reading a little bit. Yes. I just finished a book called Get Rich, Lucky Bitch. It's like a money manifestation book. That was really fun. Um, I have a group of girlfriends who we were connected through the events industry. And at the beginning of quarantine, we started doing weekly Zoom calls just initially as support. Like, we don't know what's happening, what's going to happen to our businesses. And so we would just connect on Fridays to talk and, you know, just vent. And it turned into this really beautiful friendship. There's seven of us. And, um, we, we still get together every Friday. We have our Zoom calls, um, and it's 
it's one of the most supportive, loving, compassionate groups of women that I think I've ever been friends with. And it's amazing because we obviously don't really spend time together in person. Right, right. We've, we've gotten so close and it's just, it's really, really nice. So I'm, I'm pretty carried away about that friend group right now. I love that. Nobody's had that answer before. (laughs) It's, it's been really cool. Um, yeah, I love them. They're amazing. That's so great. Then it just kind of like happened. It's like the silver lining of quarantine. Yeah. Like, and do you think you would have ever been like, Hey, every week let's get together for happy hour or tea. No, right? And we all come, we all come from different backgrounds, but it's like, we are constantly like teaching and learning from one another. We encourage each other. We support each other. It's, it's awesome. It's kind of changed the way, not kind of, it has, it's completely changed the way that I look at friendship and like the way that I value people and the connections that I have with people. I've always been big on relationships, but something about these women, they're just like, I feel like they're making me a better person. <laughs> oh, make sure you tell them that. Um, we do. We are like so open and loving. <laughs> that's really good. I have something similar with a group of friends that, you know, we would see each other for each other's birthdays or anything. But once this happened, we had made in a com- commitment that we were all homeschooling. We were all like, okay, every Thursday we're going to get together and like either pull our hair out or support each other, offer ideas. So yeah. it's really good that you find your community. And that, that happened so well. So easily. That'll last forever. That's great. That's really great. Um, Okay. And then my last question is um, there, there's give me like one to three things that you can't stand, but there are people that get insanely carried away about. Um, I'll give you an example. I cannot understand why anyone would drink kombucha. (laughs) (laughs) I've tried it. I've tried it three different ways. I can't stand it. People love it. <laughs> it is an acquired taste, I will admit. <laughs> so what's something that you are you just can't you're like, how? What? Um, so I don't do coffee. I I know. <laughs> I don't I don't do coffee. I don't like the smell. I don't like the taste. I'm not interested. It is interesting though because I do like tiramisu. That's the only thing that has a hint of coffee that I like, but otherwise no coffee. Um, And I know people who are like, because I mean, everybody's binge watching stuff right now. Um, I I have a couple friends who love Real Housewives of anything and I can't stand it. (laughs) Yeah. You won't find me watching Real Housewives. Yeah. Oh gosh. Anytime I've watched that at the end, I'm like, I need a break. (laughs) I just, yeah, it's, no, I can't. Hard pass. Hard pass on that. Well, I love that. So hold on. We have to say goodbye to everyone on Instagram because they're about to cut us out. But we're going to be continuing on in the Facebook group and see if anybody has any questions. So say goodbye, Instagram. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Oh, so my girls joined. Thanks, girls. Love you, too. (laughs) Well, that was fun. I love featuring female entrepreneurs. It's one of my favorite topics. I am your host, Carrie Murray, and thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Getting Carried Away. To learn more about these entrepreneurs featured or about the Bra Network, head over to bra-network.com.